Welcome to Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast that discusses common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. My name is Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry, and we are back with Systematic Theology 3 on the subject of elders. Again. Um, what? Again. Like, well, I wasn't going to say anything. Uh, I was going to let them be ignorant. That's kind of like, sounds like a cut down to them. Well, we lost... We already did this, and frankly, we did really good ones. So, a couple of them, yeah, and they all got lost. So, we're re-taping this or whatever. What's the right re-recording? I guess. Yeah, that's That'll a lot work. of R's, and my mouth doesn't like R's. Anywho, we are going to talk about the elders. Uh, we dealt already in detail with the qualifications for elders, and so now we can focus ex- on exactly what is an elder supposed to be doing in and with the church. Um, now, we jokingly say on our Faith and Fable page that we are two pastors who take time away from our one-hour work week to discuss various topics. Now, we that's, of course, done in jest, but it's actually things that we've heard. Um, I've had people really wonder what I do beyond my sermon. Um, not so much nowadays, but uh, they would just think I only work on Sunday. Uh, most people honestly have no idea what their pastor does, uh, and even less idea of what a non-paid elder might be doing. And so this can lead to all sorts of abuse uh, by unfaithful leaders. And that may sound strange, but uh, I can explain. Uh, because unfaithful leaders can imply that they're working hard, but they really don't do anything. And the reason is nobody knows what they do. Uh, so you can have people who think their pastors are really busy doing something, but if you ever ask them what that is, they have no idea. Um, it, it is a unique position, and it's something that requires elders to be very faithful uh, because they can abuse it. Uh, the Scripture, though, is not silent on what an elder's to be doing. It clearly delineates what elders are to be doing, and, wh- and churches would do well to seek to enable their pastors and elders to be free so they can do those things. Sometimes a pastor just gets overwhelmed right. doing the nuts and bolts of a church. They're in every committee meeting and administrative budget oversight and stuff that they never actually do what they ought to be doing. And so we're going to, with that thought in mind, we're going to just jump right into the episode um, and consider what are exactly church leaders supposed to be busy doing. And I'll give it over to Matt. Well, the first one is uh, administrative oversight. Um, And that requires some explanation because that means something different to different people. Yeah, yeah. Um, So first of all, the term episkopos, which is one that we've been talking about uh, in previous episodes, that is a term that means clearly uh, oversight, and it's it's a descriptive term by its nature. So this includes the idea of leading, uh, presiding over, um, shepherding, pastoring. It's a very broad uh, term. So the whole point is that they have oversight over the church. Right, exactly. Uh, so Acts twenty twenty eight says that the elders 
are made to be overseers of the flock of God. And so part of that oversight involves, of course, guarding the flock from false teaching. Um, there it's, it's the picture of a shepherd who's overseeing his sheep to make certain that they're safe. Right, Paul, because Paul says, when I leave, grievous wolves are going to come in. Yep. Not only in, but rise up from, from among, among you, you yeah. the elders. Yeah. And we've talked in past to think about how, yeah, from within the elders. Yeah. So it's not just from the outside, but. Or, or people who are on the fringe of the church. Yeah. So you always have the people of the fringe and the outside, but, but the frightening one is the ones who rise up from within the elders or among them, which means that these are these guys look good mm -hmm. and they appear to be sound and they've been faithful for a long time and now they're in that position of oversight and all of a sudden you find out that they're not even in Christ and they're destructive. That's that's a scary thing. Yeah. And that's why the uh, elders have to be free to keep a broad oversight over the well-being and care of the church or they get so caught up in the minutia right. that um, the wolves can creep in. Yep. I guess that's what, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's good. Uh, so Matthew 7 uh, tells us, uh, to carry that on a little more, that the false teachers come with the appearance of a true shepherd. Um, and we've all seen the cost of allowing false teachers to come into churches. It's always destructive. Nothing good comes from that. Second Corinthians eleven thirteen and following tells us that these types of false teachers are leaders, um, and they appear as apostles. They appear as bearers of truth. Uh, they come in with many promises, many claims, but in the end, they show themselves to be what Jude says, clouds of water. Um, so as a result, trying to root them out can be very difficult for elders. Uh, the reason is that often these people use deceit. Uh, they, they can use flattery to help create divisions within the church, and that's where it happens. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's very subtle, yeah. and but they're working. Uh, also, the teaching that they're giving is usually subtle. Uh, it's not blatant. Many times, um, many in the body are not mature enough to grasp the real issues. You know, I, let me jump in there because we're going doing the Bible through a year reading program with our church, and it was a few weeks ago, but Absalom was a good example of that. He, want, he was jealous. He decides to steal the kingdom from his father. So he goes down to the gates and he starts to render judgments, and he steals the heart. The people should, it, it's not hard to know who your king is. Everyone in yeah, Jerusalem, yeah. Israel knew that it was King David, but they, but because they chose to be immature and unwise, they began to listen to Absalom, and he was able to steal their hearts. And that's kind of the imagery here of that, what you were saying, that deceit and flattery. Yeah, well, and, the, and the result of that oftentimes is that fights can begin to break out uh, that's where state, Satan does his best work. He's he's stirring up hatred. He's stirring up hostility, and he's just seeking to destroy the church there. Um, and that is why the Bible calls the people, therefore, to submit to their leadership, not to be listening to these voices, these outside voices, or people on the fringe, or even what you know, people within the church. It's like listen to the elders and the leaders of that church. It, it it's that simple. Uh, so. Another one, First uh, Thessalonians five twelve. It says, "But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you 
in the Lord and, and give you instruction. So here are three areas of oversight. All three are in the present tense, so they indicate a cons- constancy about these men's oversight. They're to labor diligently among the people. Uh, so that it, it indicates strenuous labor. They're working hard at that. Uh, they work hard at being elders, not outside of their church, but among them. So when you have a pastor who's busy writing books and going on the conference circuit and doing everything outside the church, that's not a good sign. They need to be working and busy among themselves. And I think of how often that has resulted in churches where the pastor ends up going off the rails because he develops an identity and an existence that's separate from the church. Um, Second, they have charge over you. Literally, literally, boy, that's a hard word today. Literally, this means to be at the head, to direct or to rule. They are not to allow themselves to be merely the servants of the church. Rather, they labor diligently within the framework of ruling. So get that in your minds clearly. Your pastor, your elders are to be ruling over you, and that's how they serve. Um, Their authority, though, doesn't come from you. The authority comes from the Lord. Excuse me. Uh, they also are responsible for admonishing you. The New American Standard uh, translate that translates it as instructing you. It, it's the activity of reminding someone of what he has forgotten. Uh, and isn't that pastoral work? Yeah. Uh, yep. It carries with it a rebuke for sin uh, and also a flavor of a warning. So this is one of the hardest parts of being an elder because so often the people who you need to warn don't care or they don't want to hear it, but it's still your job to do it. So the administrative oversight of the church was the primary function of the elders. This area of responsibility includes the general order of the church, the direction of public worship services, the maintenance of the purity of doctrine and teaching, and the admonishing and instructing of the uh, faulty. This comes from a man named Hillstrom. Um, that's a lot of work. If, if people yeah. will just think about what that entails, right there you you can pray better for your pastor. Yeah, and let me just uh, add real quick, because you mentioned um, they're to, they're to, they're, there's an authority there and elders are to rule. Um, that is not to say, that's not the same thing as lording it over, that you right. can often be accused of. If you look at that passage where Paul commands elders not to lord it over their flock. Actually, Peter. Or, I'm sorry, Peter 5, right? Mm-hmm. Um, In fact, it's coming up. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm jumping ahead here. Uh, th- there, the idea is that it's done for self-service, uh, self-gain, in other words. So, you're, you're, in other words, you're using the people uh, yeah. for your purposes. And it says the the opposite of it is not lording it over, but proving to be examples. So, it's that idea of kind of like what you see with Nancy hypocrite. Pelosi or Governor Whitmer, I think is her name, over in uh, – uh, Michigan, uh, she won't let people go out and have be around people unmasked at restaurants in close proximity. But then they photograph her out unmasked and in close proximity. It's rules for you, not for me. Yes, kind of thing. Yeah. that kind of that's lording it over. Whenever yeah. you see that, where the pastor is exempt from the same standards that he sets within the church, you have a serious problem on right. your hands. And I and I say that because there is an. Uh, a delegated authority built in there. And so anytime that a pastor and elder exercises that authority uh, and they're doing it well, you ought not to accuse them of sin because it's not. It's the ruling. They're supposed to rule. 
Um, so First Peter 5, 2 through 4, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, so that's a command, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appear, appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So here there's, there's three motives uh, and the way it's structured is they're arranged in couplets and they each have a positive and a negative. So the first one here is the idea of oversight. Uh, it's to be done with an, a willing heart. Um, the Greek term is uh, ekousios, uh, literally from one's own, own being. Um, in other words, their, their service should not be done begrudgingly. Uh, these are to be called men, not forced men. Too often we speak of the pastor's calling, but fail to see it as the same as any elder. Yeah, yeah. Um, Nothing's worse than an elder who doesn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, the second is that it's to be done with a ready heart. Uh, the negative there is through sordid gain. This shows that the elders should do so willingly uh, or with eagerness is another way to understand it. And then the third is to rule by example rather than might. So so threats and demands, that's just not the way to lead the church. Um, there's nothing an elder should expect others to do that is not in some way being modeled for the people by himself. I remember uh, with that one exactly, uh, specifically, we had accusations years ago that I was lording over the flock, me and the elders, uh, because we told people, you cannot have a position of authority or teach um, if you're not a member. And they didn't want to become a member, and they accused us of being of lording it. And, and I showed them the passage, because that was the passage they used against us. I'm like, so the so what we're supposed to do is prove to be an example. I said every elder in this room's a a, a member. So yeah. we've chosen to be an example. We're not asking you to do something that you are being told, but we won't do. And that didn't go over well with them because. Yeah, and, and ironically, you were acting out the very call of the passage, which yeah. is seeking to protect the people um, from what could be false doctrine. Well, and you and I know those individuals, and we see the fruit now, yeah. and it's just devastating. So we're thankful that not only are they not part of the church that we're, where we're at, but that we rendered that decision. Yeah. So so the, the first one there is administrative oversight. Um, what's another one? Okay. Next one is pastoral care. Now, we've already mentioned these passages, so I'll just uh, reference the passage itself. First Peter 5, 2 and Acts 20, 28. Both of the ex passage expressly say to shepherd the church. That's what the word for pastor actually means. It's to shepherd. So elders, all elders are to be shepherding the flock. Now, this idea primarily, primarily deals with the call for the elder, the shepherd, in the same character as the chief shepherd. However, secondarily, the functions of a shepherd do come into view. So a shepherd knows his flock. Uh, this involves feeding and leading the people, which, of course, takes us back to the oversight aspect. So these kind of roll over and and blend. Um, however, when shep when, with shepherding, there's also the sense of care and concern. So the elder is not merely concerned with the bottom line or profit, rather 
there is a concern for the well-being of the church. An example is James 5.14, where a person becomes sick and they're concerned that's related to sin, um, and so they call upon the elders to come and pray over them. This is just one of the simple ways that a pastor can care for his flock, is just to pray over those who are ill. Uh, the book of Second Timothy gives us some hints to consider. So in Second uh, Timothy two twenty three to twenty six it speaks of being peacemakers. Or in chapter four verse two, there's this readiness to serve the body. So th- these are just ways you'd show um, pastoral care. So we see administration, oversight, and shepherding of the church. Then the final area, the third area, and final is what? Uh, the third one now would be teaching. Um, so Ephesians four eleven, where Paul says that God gave to the church uh, pastor teachers is is a good passage. And and there it's they're kind of one and the same, the way it's structured grammatically, pastors, teacher, the way you pastor or shepherd there is through teaching, essentially. Yeah, and the way you teach is results in pastoring. Exactly, yeah. So um the the term there, it indicates that the elders to be involved in both those areas. So so not merely shepherding or not just teaching a qualification to be an elder um, is therefore that you need to be apt or able to teach. Yeah. So elders are not merely board members, like on the board of a business who get together once in a while and vote. Um, th- that That's a part of it, but that's certainly not all of it. Rather, elders are to be deeply involved in the day-to-day lives of the people of their church, caring, counseling, teaching them. Um, they, they must be able to give instruction and speak into their lives on a regular basis. Uh, part of this is on the people making themselves available to their pastors and allowing them to do that. But the elder must be able and eager to do that as well. Um, it also assumes that the elder has arranged their life and their schedule in such a way to allow for that. Um, if they're not teaching the people, someone else always is. Always, yeah. So in Second Timothy 2.2, it says, And the things which you have heard from me, that's Paul, in the presence of many— witnesses, those entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others as well, so, or also technically. Um, they are, in other words, to have grasped the deeper things of the Word, and now they're able to teach that to other people. Uh, note that they are to be focusing, though, on the faithful ones. Uh, with those who are unfaithful, really all you can do with them is call them to repent. You can pray for them, pray with them. You can hope that they will stay and have a spirit, uh, and have the Holy Spirit convict them. But there's not a lot that you can do with a person who's unfaithful. Um, they're just there. But the uh, the unfaithful ones, unfortunately, are the ones that tend to be the most critical of their elders as well. And the common complaint is they're not caring for them or giving them enough time. But the interesting thing is the command for elders is to be looking for the faithful people and investing in them. And so for some people, mm-hmm. it, they might want to do a kind of a gut check and ask themselves, are they modeling faithfulness? How are they serving in the flock? Are they a pleasant to shepherd? In fact, here's a little thing you can do if you want to know. Um, if, if you wonder how the pastor views you, set, set up a meeting with them and ask them, Am I an easy person to shepherd? Am I an easy one to care uh, for you to show pastoral care over? And and tell him, please be honest. He he may give you a very good answer. He also may hurt you. Um, he may tell you, actually, no, you're difficult. You show up to work, church consistently late. I've given you a couple of chances, and you weren't faithful to. Pre- 
you know, do them. Yeah. Um, actually, you're a difficult person. And, and take those not as a complaint, just it's a rebuke. And, and the only thing you can really do is, well, I don't want to be that person anymore. And <laughs> right. so begin to put into motion the things that will change. Yeah. Um, and if, if you have a healthy church, it's a growing church. Yeah. Um, and so with that, the pastors and elders time becomes more and more tight. And so if you want to be pastored and shepherded, if you have a good pastor, they will shepherd you, but you have to make the effort to make yourself available to them. They can't be constantly running after everybody and chasing them down. And I mean, there, there's people who, for, for example, set up monthly meetings with me just to say, hey, here's going on. I just want to update you. I want you to know what's happened in my life. And there's other people, sometimes it's like, I have no clue what your marriage is or yeah. what's going on in your uh, children's is hearts. Is Jared one of those who sets up the monthly meeting? Jared, yeah, Jared yeah. Hoffman. Uh, Jared he's is an a, excellent he's, example. Yeah, he's a great one. He, it, before he went with Matt up to his church, he would do the same thing with me. All of a sudden, I would just get this text, just boom, it pops up. Hey, pastor, uh, like to set up a meeting. And so he would propose it. We'd go out to eat. He'd always pay too. That was always nice. It was very, it was kind of him, you know. Yep. But I would ask him, so what do you want to talk about? Nothing. I just want to give you an update to my life. And I'm like, man, you're easy to care for. Yep. And, but his life was an open book. He was willing to listen. I, I, I don't, I can't think of a single thing I didn't counsel him to maybe change that he didn't take seriously. He was, what a joy. Yeah, and some of the new folks who have been coming to at our location. Same with us. Yeah, I know you got them here. Um, for the first time in their life, they're, they actually have access to a pa their pastor, yeah. and they're very eager to regularly give me updates and get with me and those kinds of things. And they find that I'm always available every single time. Yeah, it, it, it show us kindness, though, because as a church grows, like Matt said— Time just gets tighter, and so you've got to, you know, all of a sudden you're you just have to uh, allow us to find the time because we still have to prepare <laughs> sermons and we have counseling with in situations, and all that takes time yeah. as well. Okay, so in First Timothy five seventeen, uh, Paul says, "Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching." So here we see that that all elders are apparently working at preaching and teaching as well as ruling. Um, however, at the same time, apparently some elders do it with a higher level of quality or competency. Um, the word well here means fitly or appropriately or commendably. These are men who seem to become leaders of leaders, in other words. Um, and so they, they tend to help those other elders grow and work. Notice also that some teach better or work harder at doing so than others. Um, the idea of preaching and teaching is, is a subordinate clause here uh, to uh, the concept of ruling. Um, therefore, part of ruling is going to be that of instructing or teaching. Well, and, and we see that in action. Uh, an oft-stated phrase I've said over the years is, the pulpit will define the direction of the church. Um, yeah. because there's so much authority invested in when you get up and open the Word and you instruct and apply and stuff. Um, and that, in that sense, you are showing ruling aspect to it. Yeah. And so all, all elders are going to be teaching 
uh, that's just what you do yeah. every time you're among the people. Uh, but some, probably due to their giftedness or their availability, um, we would call these the hired guys, the ones who are being paid, typically. Uh, they're able to devote a greater amount of time and effort to that task. But that does not make them of a higher level of authority. That's no. important to understand. No. Uh, these are people who are worthy of double honor, although the context referring to the manner in which they're compensated for their efforts. So, so yeah, so you... All elders are worthy of the same uh, – they all have the same authority, but some are worthy of that double honor because they're, they're investing extra time in that teaching, yeah. and they're doing a, a good job. And in our culture, that generally means they're paid staff. Yeah. It's the idea of freeing them up to devote themselves to that task. Yeah. Can you imagine trying to do what you do if you were working full-time? It'd be a challenge, yeah, for sure. That, that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Paul will state in the next verse, in fact, in verse 18, uh, he, he quotes from the Old Testament. He says, for the scriptures say, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. Um, in other words, doing his work. Um, don't starve him. Um, and the labor is worthy of his wages. You know, still... To this day, there are many churches who think that they're doing their pastor a favor by paying him poorly, um, and and they'll say things like, "Well, we want him to be a man of prayer, or we we want him to trust God," and it's like, so you don't have to be a man of prayer because you're making six figures, and does that exempt you? And you you don't have to. I mean, it's like it's so silly, but it's also it's soul sucking for that poor pastor who's trying to raise his family and he's just barely making ends meet. Don't treat your pastor poorly. Uh, we we have a church. Our churches are very kind to us, yes. and we have no complaint whatsoever. Um, but it's not that way for many. And there are men who have just they've left their church that they love not because they hate the church they can't feed their family mm -hmm. and that that's that's a terrible thing yeah. in fact i was talking to don whitney you remember him i do um out of southern and he would come up to our church to teach on prayer and various subjects and one day i was taking him to a pen show if you know he's mm -hmm. he loves his fountain pens so one of the largest pen shows is in chicago and i was taking him to it and and he was talking about a church he went to where he was a guest speaker for two, three days, and <laughs> the family that took him in was, uh, I believe they were church leader in leadership, and he, he's like, so where, where, where will I be staying? Uh, he prefers a, a hotel room just because he has other tasks, and it gives him a chance to get away from people, and they didn't want to. They, they wanted them to stay with this family, <laughs> and he said that they put him up in the barn, <laughs> and he couldn't believe it. He's, he, he's like, Serious? Because he thought they were joking. <laughs> and and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well we figured you want some time uh, for yourself, so we, we made up a bed for you in our barn. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Pray for that poor pastor of that church. If that's what they're thinking, it's like, yeah. Well, and the truth is you're, you're harming yourself if you're not paying your pastor well or pastors well. Um, I mean, to use that illustration of don't, you know, don't muzzle the out. Why would you starve the ox who's plowing your fields? Yeah. You know, um, he, that, that's not good for you. Um, so he uses that illustration here to say, look, it's good for you in your own soul to compensate them well so you can free them up to devote themselves to yeah. the task of, of the word and prayer. So, so with that, let's kind of wrap it all up. Um, those are some of the basic and essential responsibilities. Exercise oversight. They're to care in a broad spiritual sense, meaning 
uh, care in a broad spiritual sense the church, meaning shepherd, and they are to be teaching to both guard against error and build up in sound doctrine. So what we would encourage you to do is look at your pastors, at your elders of your church, and say, is that what they do? And if so, thank them for it, because they're, they're being faithful. Sometimes we put expectations on a pastor or demands, pastor, elder, I'm, I'm using those interchangeably, that just isn't fair. Um, a pastor does a lot more than just that, right? We, we, we're dealing with budget issues. We're dealing with a lot of other things that just take up time. But those things can never, ever replace these things. And so right. when I was young as a pastor, one of the simple things I did was when, you know, you're working hard. Let's say I, I remember weeks where I, I got ill, um, and so I'm already sick, and now I'm behind uh, with my sermon. I had to do a sermon for morning, evening, and the Sunday school. And I'm already hurting for time, and somebody dies. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, um, you know, now I got to care for the family. I've got to plan a funeral. Now I have to write a funeral sermon and officiate that. And now that's just more time taken away. Um, th- there's a lot of subtle pressures people don't realize. People don't know what they do to their pastor when they ask them, hey, would you marry us? A- as if, wow, this is fun. <laughs> and it is. Uh, the wedding is always a fun thing. It's a, it's a, it's a gift that a pastor can give to their uh, their that couple and say, I want to officiate that. But then there's all of those hours involved in premarital. And then after that, helping them with the planning and maybe solving crisis points where mother-in-law is really angry that you didn't choose to have green marbles or whatever might be the issue. Uh, you know, all and, of those. And then post-wedding counsel. Right, I mean, yeah. as they're learning what, you know, what marriage is. Right, right. And all of those things, but they're, they're not central to the core things that he's supposed to be doing. And so I always just ask myself, when things got really crazy, I would always retreat back to these three. These were non-negotiable. And of all of these three, the one I would never bend on was teaching. Mm -hmm. I had to have time to prepare to teach. So that's where you cancel meetings. That's where you, and people say, well, you canceled on me. It's like, yeah, I did. (laughs) Um, And the reason is you're not, the priority, the priority are these three things, and and they come in certain orders. Hopefully, that helps uh, the people think through what they expect of their elders. Uh, we're going to continue on with this subject. Uh, so until then, uh, make sure to tune in, join the conversation. We truly do love to hear your thoughts on the responsibility of elders. But as we say every week, don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, review, connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And as always, tell a friend.